0: Hello, welcome back to Resurrections, and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. And today we are doing one of our supplemental episodes where we are covering the early appearances of death in the Marvel Universe. And today we're going to be talking about what is technically the second appearance of death from the Angel story in Marvel Mystery Comics number 21. The reason I say it's technically the second appearance is because the first appearance of death is from the Vision story. From Marvel Mystery Comics, number 21. I don't know. Do you want to call it the second appearance? It's in the same issue, but different stories. Doesn't matter. Either way, it's the next chronological appearance. In case you forgot about the Vision one, that was we covered that in episode 76. So you can go back and listen to that afterwards. Now, before we get into this, a little bit of housekeeping here. This is episode 93. I was planning originally on having this be the starter of our Infinity Countdown coverage... But I had a few things in life happening. Um, Had friends visiting from out of state. Then I got sick. Then I had more friends visiting from out of state. Kind of screwed up my whole personal schedule of getting stuff edited and done. So everything's back to normal now. And I'm hoping for next episode, we'll have those ready. So the plan right now is for the next two episodes, will be the first two parts of our Infinity Countdown coverage. Episode 96, as long as everything works out with getting people to be on the show... Should be our Avengers Endgame coverage, which I am very excited about. I cannot wait. And then after that, the next three episodes will be the last three parts of Infinity Countdown. And yes, if you're doing the math, that brings us up to episode 99. Which means 100 is next. And yes, I do have some plans for 100. Little too early to talk about it yet. I'd like to wait till I have things a bit more concrete and set. I'm hoping it'll be awesome really at least cool. Also, if we're tolerable. All right, enough of that. We have some golden age goodness to get to. Afternoon, everybody. Ryan! How's that baby treating you, Mr. Daly? Like Thanos, snapping his fingers at my bank account. In that case, how about a beer on the house? Sure. Gotta give my mouth something to do between podcasts. Say, Ryan, I don't get how you have so much time for podcasting. Doesn't your wife want you spending time with the baby? Would you? <laughs> Truth is, I think she's a little worried about how much time I'm spending with the kid, ever since his first words were Dagobah system. <laughs> now she wants me to go out and do something mature, something productive, and most of all, something lucrative that can support the family. So you're going to... Podcast about Cheers, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That kid's not going to start college for 18 years. I got time. (laughs) Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Network. Before we get into this story, let's start with talking about who is the Golden Age Angel. The angel was Thomas Holloway. He first appeared in Marvel Comics number one, in 1939. That's the same first appearance as Namor and the original Human Torch. Created by Paul Gustavson, a Golden Age artist who also created the human bomb for Quality Comics. And by the way, Quality Comics was later bought out by DC, so that is the same human bomb that's part of DC's Freedom Fighters, in case you're aware of them. The Angel had a simple costume, blue bodysuit with yellow angel wings on the chest, a red cape and sometimes a black domino mask, sometimes no mask. Looking at the list of his Golden Age appearances, he mostly appeared in Marvel Mystery Comics and Submariner Comics. He was presented as being a normal person who just fought crime with either his fists or with guns, because like many Golden Age heroes, he had no problem with killing his enemies. However, he may have had some powers. I saw that after one adventure he received the Cape of Mercury that enabled him to fly though he apparently only used it a few times which is weird cuz that would make perfect sense for a character called angel which is probably why they made the x-man angel able to fly he's also listed as having been born in the late 1870s but since that would make him about 60 or so at the time of his first appearance it's speculated that there might be something special about him that slowed down his aging now to be fair I wasn't able to tell if that was something from the original Golden Age stories or was retconned in later. So so without knowing that, I'm just going to assume in this story that he's just a normal human being. Alright, I think that's more than enough info on the Angel than is needed to enjoy the story. If you want further info, just check out the show notes. I'll be putting a link to his Marvel Wiki page. There's plenty of info on him there. The Angel and the Weird Ghost of Amber Swamps The writer for the story is unknown, but since the creator Paul Gustavuson is listed as the penciler and inker, and I have seen him listed as the writer elsewhere, I'm going to just assume that he did everything and wrote the story. Now, the cover art was done by Alex Schomburg. Editor was Joe Simon. Original cover date, July 1941. The on-sale date was May 15th, 1941, with a cover price of 10 cents. You can find this reprinted in Marvel Masterworks Golden Age Marvel Comics Volume 6 from 2004 and digitally on Comixology. Now, we're going to try something a little different this episode. Since this is a Golden Age story, and a lot of times in Golden Age stories, they both show and tell. In other words, you'll see in the art something happening, and the captions or the word balloons will tell you what's happening as well. Kind of redundantly. So... Since they have that here, and since it's only a nine-page story, we're going to do a little bit of dramatic reading. Hopefully it doesn't suck. Alright. Chelcroft, <clears throat> stately mansion of the millionaire C.J. Miller, looms magnificently across its ghostly setting in the Georgian jungle. A few years ago, a center of southern social activity. Today, a desolate mansion, occupied only by C.J. Miller and his servants, overnight Its splendor has turned into a gaunt horror, and the very air about it is stirred by the weird ghost of Amber Swamps. As darkness blankets Chelcroft, a terrifying scream bellows from its hollowness, and out of the front door runs the aged butler Norton, cold with fright, his eyes filled with horror. Barely a few feet across the stately lawn, Norton stops suddenly, grasping at his throat as if some invisible being had clutched it. A moment later, he drops to the ground, dead. His throat gashed horribly. While death cloaks Chelcroft, a daring figure streaks to the scene of horror. It's the angel! Holy smokes! There was not a soul near him! I see I got here too late to prevent a ghastly murder. Whatever it is that did this, it's no ghost. And I'll be hanged if I don't get to the bottom of all this. As the angel bends closer to the fallen Norton, a glittering object misses his head by a few inches. What the? So... That's the weird ghost of Amber Swamp's, eh? Ghost my foot! Covering the ground to the house quickly, the angel catches a glimpse of a figure on the roof of the impressive mansion. Well, the ghost has taken shape. Maybe this ghost won't be- Help. What the? A split second later, and the angel is in the house. (laughs) That scream again. It's coming from the hall. Help. Help. Holy hat. He's throwing her off the balcony. In a flash, the angel speeds out, reaching under the balcony in time to save the girl from being dashed to death. You're all right now, but I'll have to leave you. Say, who are you anyway? In the reporter after a story, I came here alone. Okay, bud. Now let's you and I play ghosts. With a terrific blow, the angel knocks the weird figure off the balcony. (laughs) Well, get up. Fire glares in the towering brute's eye, and then he charges little realizing the powerful strength his antagonist possesses. The angel strains tensely to clamp a deadly grip on the brutal figure, but without success. Boy, this guy's the strongest I've ever tackled. Then, the angel's foot slips, and their towering figure sends him down to the floor below. But the angel makes a quick turn in midair, and lands on his feet in a shower of broken marble. Are you all right? Looks as if we're not through yet, bud. The supposed ghost of Amber Swamps quickly darts around the corner and disappears through a secret panel. But the girl watching him learns where the secret release is. Well. Then, as the angel reaches the top of the stairs, Hey, he's gone. There must be a secret panel somewhere. I saw him press this small panel. You're right. The wall sounds hollow. The angel dashes through the panel into the secret passage, and the girl follows him. Well, something tells me I know who the ghost of Amber Swamps is right now. Moving cautiously, the angel makes his way through the dark passage and into the dismal cellar of the mansion. Oh, oh, a light down there. Duck, look out. Suddenly. Missed again. What is that weapon, I wonder? Seeing the shadow in the lighted passage, the angel streaks out with deadly fury. Miller, your casting isn't as good as it used to be in your earlier days. Maybe this will hold you for a while. Quite a contraption, Miller. Old razor blades at the end of a fishing line, and this new automatic reel-in device. Too bad you are so famous as a casting expert. It gave you away. He knows who I am, all right. Now, Miller, will you remove your hair in disguise, or shall I? I've got to get him out of the way. With no answer from the grotesque figure, the angel cast the deadly razor blades, cutting the mask off Miller's face. You can talk now without giving yourself away. Your face is enough to let me know who you are. Yes. Yes, I'll talk. I'll tell you all, because you won't live to tell it to anyone else. Why, he's raving mad. For 25 years I've fed the Society of the South. It's taken every cent I've had, but now I'm broke. But no one will know it. Chalcroft will go down with me. And the reason? The weird ghost of Amber Swamps. Ha ha! After the ghost kills all who know what has happened, it will get me too. Ha ha ha! I will kill myself. And now that you know, the ghost of Amber Swamps will get you too. But Miller's lunge is met by as powerful counterblow as his own. A bitter struggle ensues. The battle becomes a deadlock. You're a powerful man. Perhaps I won't leave here alive. But neither will you. Becoming more intense every minute, the battle between the two powerful men rages on in the cellar of Miller's palatial home. A powerful blow sends Miller spinning backwards. His head strikes the reel of his deadly weapon and releases the and device, reeling in the line. Which sends his own deadly razor blade streaking back with fatal effect upon himself. Well, Miller, the ghost of Amber Swamps did get you as you said. Too bad your warp mind led you to your crazy end, for Chelcroft and yourself. My what a ghost story. And so the mad ghost of Amber Swamp meets his end. But the angel still carries on in next month's Marvel Comics. Okay. Few thoughts on the story. Not a lot, because, well, it wasn't that long a story. First of all, since it was only a 9 page story, I did like how Gustafsson didn't waste any time explaining why the angel was investigating this. He just is, and off we go. However the actual plot by the villain was a bit confusing to me, so he spent his money, I wasn't sure what he meant, I'm assuming like having social parties or something. And somehow went broke, and so was mad about that, so his plot was to make everyone think a ghost was killing a bunch of people, and then he would get killed by the ghost too? Why? And what? But then again, the whole thing was supposed to be that he had gone insane, so maybe his plot wasn't supposed to make sense? Sure, why not? As for Mistress Death, who is the whole reason we're doing this episode... She only appears in one panel. Not surprising. It's panel two on page three. Coincidentally, the same panel where the angel first shows up. Now, like Death's other Golden Age appearances, it's basically just the specter of Death lurking over a scene of terror. I'm assuming, of course, that he didn't do any research on these old stories before using her, but it does fit with the characterization of Death that Jim Starlin uses. Mistress Death wants souls, but not just that enjoys seeing people die, likes the cruelty of humanity. She doesn't have any sympathy for the living at all. She doesn't care. She gets the souls, great, but if they can die in horrible, horrible ways, even better. Which does make sense why, then, she would pick a champion for herself like Thanos, as opposed to somebody who maybe would kill people, but doing it in a much more humane way. Thanos is mean and cruel, and she likes that. Now, as far as this story goes... It's okay. Paul Gustafsson's figures are good. His Miller is awesome. The villain, both when he's masked with a so, and also when he's been unmasked. He looks great. Angel looks pretty good, too. But his way of telling a story isn't that good. There's one page that does have if you read older comics where they would have like arrows going to different panels telling you how you have to read the story because otherwise you won't be sure which way to go. There's a page that has that. That's not the problem. The problem is there are three or four other pages that need those arrows and don't have them. So there was a couple times, it actually took me a minute or two to try and guess which way to read the story. And it wasn't always obvious. And I'm still not sure on one or two of them if I was reading it the right way. So his storytelling isn't that great. Again, I'm guessing he's the writer, But I haven't read any other Angel stories, or as far as I know, any other stories by Paul Gustavuson. Maybe, yeah, he's not that great a storyteller. Maybe the ones he wrote, where he's able to dictate the way the story goes, are better. And he's just following a script. Because I'm pretty sure back in the Golden Age, they all worked full script. So if the writer said, do this next, he did that next. I can't say. I'll have to read more things by him to get a feel for how he writes. But overall, eh, it's okay. At least it's only nine pages. But it could have been better. What do you do when your world falls apart in the span of a single sentence? What does that do to a person, to an entire family? Join me, Paul Showens, for The Fight, a monthly audio diary in podcast form designed to tell the story of a special little girl. my perspective this ongoing narrative is a raw and painfully real look into the worst moments of a family's life it's that time in the episode where we talk about our feedback and the feedback that we're talking about today is for episode 91 part 3 of our infinity relativity coverage on facebook the post about that episode was liked and shared by Mirko Mackie, Michael Lane, Pat Sampson, Jesse Starcher, and Paul Spataro. On Twitter, it was liked and retweeted by Comics and Words, Lenora Zahn, Adriano, Bub, R&D Adventures, and Brian Z. On Tumblr, sadly, no one liked that post on Tumblr. Sigh. But we do have a few more people following our Tumblr page to thank. You guide Libra. Comic Station, Smithy994, Lucio Cipher, and 123CyberTech. And we do have an email to read, so that's awesome, from David Spofforth. By the way, David, if you get a chance, send me an email with a bit of an audio clip real quick so I know how to pronounce your last name. Or just tell me if I'm getting it right, I guess. Anyway, this email is from November 7th of last year. It is titled, Episode 45, To Be Free From Control which I believe was covering Captain Marvel number 30. David says, Hi Al. Another comment for the past as I continue to try to catch up. I was very entertained by your discussion of that era in Marvel history, where the likes of Starlin, Englehart, Gerber, and McGregor were given creative freedom to go wild. That is probably my favorite period of Marvel history by far. But you didn't give credit where due to the one thing that all these series had in common. Editor-in-Chief Roy Thomas. Martin Goodman had gone, Stan Lee was now a publisher, and was pretty much hands off, spending more time looking at Hollywood. And this left Roy the boy with his hand at the tiller. And if there was one thing that Roy seemed to excel at, it was creative freedom. His philosophy seemed to be, do what you like, if it sells then it's working, if it doesn't sell we'll pull the plug. Cheers, David from London. And David you are correct, because of Roy Thomas giving them that creative freedom they were able to do some of those awesome series. Now, I do need to do a bit more research myself because I don't know if Roy has said that was his plan or if it just worked out that way because Roy either didn't have the inclination or the time to pay attention to other people's series that much and therefore they had that creative freedom by default. Granted, either way, same result. So, worked out. But I'm just curious which one it was. Of course, if you've done the research and you know that Definitely it is. Could you please David, let me know and let me know where you found that out. I'd love to read that. All right. Well, if you'd like to be mentioned here, either just your name mentioned or send an email or message of some way, please do so. On Facebook, just type in the search box, Adam Warlock. We pop right up. On Twitter, follow us at AdamThanosPod. Our Tumblr page is ResurrectionsAdamWarlock.tumblr.com. And of course, you can send an email, ResurrectionsPodcast at Yahoo.com. Now, we're not going to have a Friends and Enemies segment this episode because the last supplemental episode we did, which was episode 76 featuring the Vision, sorry, featuring the Golden Age Vision, was from the same issue this one is, Marvel Mystery Comics number 21. So the Friends and Enemies are the same ones. So if you want to listen to that, go listen to episode 76 again. It's all there. This show can now be found on Stitcher. In case you don't know what Stitcher is, Stitcher is radio on demand. A free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discovered from 20,000 others. Available on iOS, Android, Nook, and iPad. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at Stitcher.com or in the App Store. Okay, that's it for this time. We'll be back in two weeks with the first part of our Infinity Countdown coverage. Oh, and I forgot to mention this in the beginning. We will be finishing up Thanos the Infinity Relativity. It's going to take us two more episodes to do. Brian and I have already recorded the first of those two episodes. we just got to get a chance to schedule the other recording. And I don't want to put the episodes out until I have both of them done. Hopefully, I should have them done soon enough that I'll be able to put them out right after episode 100. But for now, that's in the future. we got Infinity Countdown coming. See you next time. Bye. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at Productions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr Miller, your casting isn't a. <clears throat> Miller, your casting isn't a good. Nah.